Good evening and welcome to this week's edition of Fundamentals, an OKC UK podcast. I am your host, Thomas Snowden, the founder of OKC UK. And unfortunately, this week I am all by myself. My two co-hosts were unable to join me this week. Uh, Janal is past his bedtime as he has he's an early riser for work. Brandon was struggling to fit in his school schedule with his nail schedule. So he's out of action this week. But lucky for myself, I have two excellent people to replace him. If you remember earlier this year um, and you listened to these guys, I'm sure you do if you listen to us, um, we appeared on the Topic Funder podcast. So this time they're returning the favour to us. So we have a great friend to OKC UK, Dylan, Mr. Funder Chats. How are you doing, Dylan? Hey, man, I'm doing great. <clears throat> you know, always good to come back on Thundermentals, you know, a little pod and pod action. So uh, love talking to my friends from across the pond. I will work on my introductions as I know you absolutely <laughs> smash on Topic Funder. Hey, that, that's all I'm good for. So I've got to keep it. I got to keep it snappy. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on one eventually. Maybe the next time you'll come on, I'll give you a nice long two or three minute introduction. All right, I'll hold you to it. And then joining Dylan from Topic Funder is Alex, who's another great guy in the Funder community. How are you doing this week, Alex? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm a, I'm not a DMP illness, non-COVID. I'm going to push through, but I'm, you know, it was a game time decision, but I went ahead and warmed up and I feel pretty good, bro. Hey, well, as long as you've warmed up, don't want to be pulling any of those muscles either. <laughs> so j- jumping straight in, I want to talk about the Thunder's seven-game losing streak that we're currently on. Probably, well, we've just, at the time of recording this, we've just about to tip off against the Grizzlies. So it's more, most likely about to become eight. Um, how have you envisioned, or well, not envisioned, how have you, well, what, what are your thoughts on the last seven games, like, for me, some of the games have been fun. Some of the games have been hard, but like, that's been a trend for me this year. Especially, I enjoyed it a lot more last year and I'm struggling to get into it a bit more this year, but I don't know why. Mm. And I don't know if many other people are feeling that way. Um, but Alex, we'll start with you. How have, What are your thoughts on the, the seven-game losing streak and how are you finding this year so far compared to last season in terms of I put in commas because some people don't like the word tank. So as far as, as far as this current seven game uh, losing streak, um, I, I just think the, the grind of the NBA season is starting to catch up with us a little bit. Um, and so injuries um, and things like that. And whenever you have a young team, like you usually have your good six, seven, eight players, and then once you get past those eight players and you start getting to that nine, 10, 11 end of the bench type guys, um, that's where you really start to struggle and you really start to kind of lose games. And I think that's what's kind of happened in this eight game, in this uh, seven game losing streak is, you know, we've had a lot of guys in and out of the lineup. You know, Shea missed a couple games. He's missing tonight. Giddy has missed a couple games currently. Um, you know, you have a lot of the vets being out. So, th- so guys like Kenrich, guys like Muscala. Um, and so when you start to add that up, I think the depth of this team, which was almost non-existent to begin with, starts to show very heavily. Um, and then 
you know, you just, you, you lose close ones that if you would have had everybody there, like we did earlier in the season, I think you would have won some of these games, but I do think that the injuries and, and the lack of depth is starting to catch up with us. Um, as far as on the second question, as far as comparing this season to last season, uh, I like this season a lot more because it seems like we have a direction. Um, it seems like I see the vision now. Last year is a little bit difficult to see the vision. Um, but this year with Giddy, Shay, Dort out there, you know, seeing Trey Mann, what he's becoming, seeing JRE, um, seeing a team that's using Muscala and um, Kenrich as, you know, these, these role players coming off the bench. You know, I, I see the direction they're going, and I like that direction. Um, and so I think it's a clearer path now than it was last season. Definitely, definitely see what you mean in terms of the vision and the path that's been set on the players this year. This talking about what you were saying about the squad depth, I think it's, I think it's been confusing this year because obviously players are up and down from the blue. Um, players who you would consider to possibly get more minutes, like I, I remember saying to my contributors yesterday that if. Gabriel Deck didn't play any minutes yesterday, then I'm just completely out on him. I don't see his role or why he's with us. Obviously, I've seen the rumours and stuff now that that something's going to happen with him. But the, the depth has certainly been weird. Dylan, what, how have you seen this, the seven-game losing streak and what are your thoughts on comparisons between the two in-commas bracket, uh, tank seasons? Yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the seven-game losing streak, um, you know, it, it hasn't been, like, you know, that bad to me, you know. I, I, I feel what you're kind of blending the two questions together. I feel what you're saying. I'm like, it's kind of harder to get into this season than it was last season. And I can't speak for everybody, but I think for me specifically, last year we got off to really such a hot start. And, you know, like – you know, this young scrappy team, you know, we've got the vets and Horford and George Hill. Shay's playing at an all-star level, like right off the bat. And it's like, we were legitimately like fun. Like we were, we were like in the playoff hunt very early on. And obviously, you know, moves were made, um, injuries happened and, you know, things changed, but that kind of like sucked us in right from the get go. Um, and, and in terms for me, I'm like, why I haven't enjoyed this, this year as much is, is probably a hundred percent like boils down to Shea. And I say that as one of the biggest Shea fans, like <laughs> on, on the Thunder Twitter sphere. Um, you know, I've said many times on the podcast, Josh Giddy, objectively fun to watch play basketball. Trey Man, Lou Dort, Poku for all Poku is like they are all objectively fun to watch play basketball. But there's something different when Shea is playing at a high level. And in the seven-game losing streak, Shea's kind of been in a slump. He's been in a slump. He's missed games also due to injury um, with his ankle. You know, there was rumors, speculation that he might be playing hurt, and that could be a source to his slump. Um, you know, he busted out last night with 39 points, but I think that kind of contributes to why it hasn't been as fun of a ride because as, as many flashes as we get with Giddy. And as many flashes that was as we got with Dort, like Dort had a really hot streak, and you know all these young guys. Um, there's just something different when you have a player that's Shea's caliber really just taking over and you know carrying the team. But in spite of all that, the thing that I found encouraging in these seven games, our margin of victory is like 
or our margin of defeat, I guess, is very small. Like, you know, we lost to the Rocket by 13 in our first game against them. But other than that, like, I mean, just go down the line. Bucks, eight points. Celtics, six points. Hawks, 12 points. Jazz, six points. Wizards, two points. Last night against the Rockets, four points. Like, we're keeping these games close. And, you know, I'm talking about, like, what Alex said with the depth and with the veterans, like, Obviously, like Kenny Hustle, Mike Muscala, Ty Jerome, those guys are like contributing vets off the bench and they, you know, help you get back in games. Like, you know, they're the reason we was able to make so many comebacks early on. But we've held out Moose for injury, for rest. Kenny got hurt. Like these guys are, you know, they're hurt. They're not out there and we're still keeping the game close. We're still keeping it competitive. So uh, I just think that's a credit to, you know, the players buying into the system that, Mark Dagnall's pushing out and the culture that, you know, the Thunder has, you know, really been trying to build. So, honestly, man, I've been – I mean, I try to look on the bright side of everything anyways, but I've been really encouraged by, uh, you know, what I've seen in the seven-game losing streak. You can you can talk about the winning margins and stuff there. You can say about that for the last two or three years, which I think is a credit to the people higher up in the franchise. Going back to the Chris Paul year, that like that year was so incredibly fun because the Thunder didn't give up. Like every every game, if we were down twenty at the half, we could pull it back. Like it wasn't a surprise to us. Um, I forgot the other point I was going to make. Now, I've, all, all, all all the way through you talking, then I was like, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Exactly what I'm going to talk about, and then you've just said that bit at the end, and I was like, I'll talk about that and then come back to it. And I think it's completely left. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gone. So we'll, we'll uh, move on the from feeling. there. Kiss it goodbye. Yeah, trust me. And, and I'm sure you all know how that feels. Um, so we'll move on. So what we normally tend to do with fundamentals, we tend to do a player of the week, like segment, if you would. Um, but what I thought would be fun to do with you guys, uh, especially, would just be who's your player of the season so far? Obviously, think outside the box in terms of what they're giving to the team, how consistent they are, um, just how impressed you've been with maybe a rookie or a guy coming back for us. So, Dylan, we'll start with you. Oh, man, that's tough. And, you know, and, you know as I've said, uh, I have a strong affinity for Shea, but as fun as that stretch was there at, after, like, games four through, like, 10-ish, um, I, you know, he hasn't collectively been able to put it together, so I can't give it to Shea. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go against the grain here and I'm going to say Lou Dort, you know, um, obviously when we came into the season, we knew that Lou Dort was going to be this lockdown defender. Like he's a premier defender in the NBA from his rookie year, like coming, coming straight from being undrafted off of a two-way contract. He was one of the best defenders in the league automatically. And the thing with Dort was always going to be, what's he going to give you offensively? Last year, he had a really hot streak shooting. You know, it kind of leveled off towards the end of the year. But the thing that he struggled with was finishing inside the paint, finishing at the rim. Well, this year, you know, he's still got that streaky shooting, but he has – you can tell he's really put in the work at finishing around the cup. I can't tell you how many times I've seen him just drive straight into somebody, absorb the contact, double clutch, bank it in, I mean, it, it just seems like money. Like, you know, I mean, you've seen him do reverse layups. You've seen him make a lot of dunks. 
And apparently that's something Coach Dagnall has uh, teased Dort about last year because there, there were so few dunks in Lou Dort's package last year. And this year, I mean, you can tell he's just really trying to finish strong. I mean, there's um, there's no better example than earlier in the year when we played the 76ers. People forgot Lou Dort kind of kind of dunked on Joel Embiid. Like it's not talked about enough. Like he he rose up on Embiid. Like yeah, you know it wasn't like a body to body like you know murder like Paul George and Birdman was. But like Joel Embiid was trying to contest the dunk and Lou Dort finished the dunk through contact. So um, I mean that's just a testament to his finishing. And I you know his defense hasn't lost a step. He's gonna hustle out there a hundred percent of the time. He's taking a jump offensively, I think, and, you know, just showing up in the clutch, like in that Kings game, stripping De'Aaron Fox and then driving in and finishing through contact once again. Like, you know, if you showed me, if you told me in Lou Dort's rookie year when he's just locking up James Harden that he's going to be able to not only strip, you know, the best scorer on the team, um, not only strip that guy, but then come down and score the game, win a bucket, never would have believed you, but, hey, Year three of Lou Dort, uh, technically year two and a half of Lou Dort, and here we are. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, so so at, at at this point at this point in his career, Lou Dort has as many game winners as Paul George. So I just want to put that out there. Wow, I need you to tweet that, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that that is a stat. That 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 that's that's blowing my mind, and I'd. I, I get this weekly now. I'm just made to eat my own words. As I remind you, or the listeners every week, obviously I made that Tom's take last year that we'd seen all that we could possibly see out of Lou Dort on the offensive end. And that was that was February, March last season. And mm-hmm. obviously I've, I've been made to look very silly now, which I'll, I'll, I'll happily accept. I didn't expect oh, yeah. it. But he's absolutely smashed it. But I kind of, I kind of expected whoever I went to first to say Lou Dort, because obviously Lou Dort has been probably the most consistent player for us. Whereas a lot of the other players have maybe struggled for the consistency, bare a few. So, Alex, are you going to expand on Lou Dort, or are you going someone else? I mean, so I mean, the easy answers are, of course, Lou Dort, SGA. Um, but if I'm going outside the box, I'm going to go way outside the box and say, not necessarily the best player, but I think JRE's emergence as, you know, somebody that could be a short-term starting center, maybe even long-term, depending on what happens in future drafts and future years, um, and especially, you know, looking at how we want to play, you know, it, I I believe that's that was a complete surprise to me because I mean second rounder you're expecting him to play with the blue a lot probably this this year, um, and you know he's he's come out and since game one he's playing pretty consistently same amount of minutes he's and he's starting to you know he's he's starting now, you know I don't think outside of an injury I don't think Derek Favors Isaiah Roby or Mike Mescal are going to take over that starting spot from here on out, um, so he's been a surprise he's been a very pleasant surprise and. You know, it's it's kind of fun to see how, you know, how he does. He's probably the only second rounder that I think is consistently on these these rookie lists of top rookies. You know, for this year. Um, so that's that's the tip of the hat to to Presti in the scouting department, and it's just fun to see that kind of play out to fruition. 
I, de- I definitely saw a bit on G- uh, JRE before we drafted him, and I was still pleasantly surprised to see what we actually were getting on the court. Um, it is pretty much like confirmed now. I agree with you, Alex. That it does seem like JRE is our starting centre now. Like we hey, get enough breaking breaking news. Ooh. Gabriel Deck is in the game. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm still out. I'm still out on him. I said I said yesterday that was my deadline. You'll probably only get like six minutes. It just took Shea and Giddy being out of the game to bring in the Tortuga. Yeah. Be interesting to see what happens with Poku and Maladon as well with their minutes. But I want, I want to talk about that a bit later. Um, yeah. I'm With the JRE thing though, I'm feeling very gutted for Isaiah Roby on the back of the season I thought he had last year. I thought he had a very, very solid season last year. It's maybe a bit harsh on him that he's not getting the minutes, but I don't know what's going on with minutes anymore. Like they're all all over the place. I don't think any of us do. Yeah, and what's weird about that is like Isaiah Roby was kind of the guy that all the players, the coaches, the front office, like all the buzz are coming into the training camp in preseason was. Isaiah Roby, like Isaiah Roby was the one that was stepping up and really showed out, um, you know, in the pickup games. And he was the guy that everybody was predicting to make a big leap. Like Moose said it on our podcast, like, you know, Zay really put in the work this summer. And I, I don't it, – it's crazy because last year in the preseason, we saw nothing from Roby. Like, was I, I wanted Frank Jackson over Isaiah Roby. And then in the season, you know, he comes in and he's playing completely different than he was in the preseason. Now, this year, he's got all this preseason buzz and he comes into the regular season. And, you know, he's been solid at times. But, like, I I think that, honestly, I think the players set him up for failure with, like, all the all the buzz that they was giving him going into the season. Like, okay, Isaiah Roby's turning some heads, you know, specifically on the roster. Like, okay, we'll see what he's got. And I, I don't even think it's fair to say that he's matched his production last year. It's it's weird for Zaya because I think he offers a lot as well. He's a he's a very underrated passer of the ball. He's a good defender. He's good offensively. He's very unselfish with his shooting. Like he's a more than capable three point shooter, and he doesn't shoot. He goes for the pass ball first. But it, it's certainly interesting. But it's all down to the rotation and stuff. Like I think Roby's only started one or two games this season, and then obviously he's had a few DMPs from what I'm aware because I. There's some games that go past and I don't even remember seeing him. He might have checked in, but I don't see him. Um, so we'll, we'll move on now to another segment, and that's Rookie Watch. Um, we're going to do a Josh Giddy special this week on the back of Josh Giddy winning the Rookie of the Month. And how's that for the first rookie to win one for Oklahoma since Russell Westbrook? What's our actually, thoughts? I actually think... I actually think he's lucky that he's in the West because I think I don't think there's yeah. any big time uh, big time rookies showing out in the Western Conference. A lot of the rookies, you know, you talk about Detroit, you're talking about um, he, well, I mean, you talk about Jalen um, Jalen Green, and he's not showing out. But a lot of those rookies, good rookies, went to Eastern Conference teams, so you know he, he got kind of lucky in, the, in that department. Yeah, no, exactly. Is, I mean, you is got that Scotty you downplaying Harris. it? No, I'm not. I'm not downplaying it. I'm just, you know, so when you look at him versus, um, 
Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's had an incredible season. I mean, I, he's he's going to be a great player. Um, no, not not downplaying it at all. I just think he has less competition here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I agree with you. That's kind of what I was thinking. You know, I think NBA.com released their rookie ladder, and Giddy was four, and the players he was behind was Evan Mobley, Scotty Barnes, Kate Cunningham. You know, those got those three are all in the East. Also, you got Chris Duarte, who, you know, went off to a hot start. Um, he's also in the East. So I, I definitely think that his conference kind of benefits him a little bit, but that's not to take away what Giddy's done. Um, what he's done has been just remarkable. Like I said, he's super fun to watch play basketball and specifically passing the basketball. So, yeah, no takeaway from Josh Giddy. <laughs> um, yeah, congratulations to him. It's, I I just find his passing in awe every every time he makes one of those passes. Um, so we're going to quickly move on as well now to the other segment of Tom's take, and I want to go straight to Alex for this one because now this take is not set in stone. It's one that I feel it could be. I just need to delve a bit more into it in terms of making sure it's a final answer. But my take for this week, and I'm coming to you, Alex, based on a tweet that you said a while ago, and that is that Darius Baisley is the second best defensive player on the team, obviously after Lou Dort. My reasonings, I think Shy, for what he gets at the minute, is a bit lazy on D. I don't think we're going to be fully capable of seeing what he's like on D till we're competing again. And then you probably make an argument for a couple of the bigs and Kenny Hustle. But I think Bayes with his efforts on D, he's good with the blocks, good with the steals. He's got a good shout at being our second best defensive player. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, he's improved. Defensively, he's improved a lot this year. He seems more focused on that end of the floor. Um, the question always is, and I know you're talking about defense, but it's it's a it's a two way game, and so a lot like Andre Robertson, a lot like you know Tabo Cephalosha, is is Darius Baisley's offensive game going to play him off the floor? despite his good defense. Um, and so that's always been kind of my thing with, with Baisley because he's, he's improved. He's improved a lot defensively. Um, he used to be a little bit lost. You know, he's young. He's young, so he's going to go for steals. He's going to go for – he's going to put himself out of position. Um, but this year he seems more focused. He seems more disciplined um, as far as how he's playing defense, and it's, and it's showing. But, again, is his offensive game good enough or consistent enough to be out there 30 minutes a game for a team, you know, for, for any team consistently um, as a starter. Uh, and it's, it's not showing to be that way. No, it's obviously the offensive stretch. Obviously everyone knows I am the Baisley stan. Oh, there, there, there's a, there's a few of us. Um, there is, there is. You and Ryland, right? You know, building yeah, block, know. yeah. Well, obviously Bayes went through that four or five game patch where he had really solid offensive outings. And we were like, yes, this and is the, a turning point. And, and then he had was, four or five our, games bad. That, 
that was our best patch of the season too. That those yeah. five, those five to seven games that he showed out, you know, hitting the three, being good offensively, you know, that made us a complete team. And so we, you know, we competed. We competed very, very well. Um, but you know, I, I think, I think for as much as Shea and Dort are the pendulums for this team, I actually think Darius Baisley is the pendulum for this team. I actually think he's the one that moves the needle, whether we're going to win or whether we're going to lose. That's a fair point. Now, I know Dylan would have missed what the take was then. So as I explain what the take is again, I do need a hot or cold from you, Alex. So the take was, Dylan, that Darius Baisley, my, my mind's not set in stone about this. It's more of a he could be. But Darius Baisley is the second best defensive player on the Thunder. It's a lukewarm take. But I just leave it there. I'll take a lukewarm. So, Dylan, what are your yeah. thoughts? You say the second worst player on the team? Is that what you said? Second best def- uh, defensive player on the team. Ah, okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's a hot take. Um, you know, I've been uh, I've been pretty consistent in my stance on what I want for for Darius Baisley for this team, like for the future, and. That's for him to be little, kind of, little man. Doesn't sound like he's a did, little man. Doesn't sound like he's a fan of Baisley. Yeah, no, no, he, he's definitely not. Future, future GM, right there. Uh, Don't no, say this no, about my man. <laughs> hey, it's it, it's Nova, man. It's not me, but no, um, yeah, I've uh, I've always said that kind of what I see out of Baisley, like in order for him to be successful is to be like a variation of Ben Simmons, a guy that comes in as like a secondary slash tertiary playmaker, a guy that attacks the rim in the half court, attacks the rim in transition, um, and just defends the heck out of anybody that, you know, he comes across. And obviously, you know, if he's open, absolutely shoot the three, but I, I would love to see Baisley really kind of work in a shot selection because that, that's really what it comes down to is his decision-making because – I don't think he has a bad basketball IQ. He knows where to be offensively. He knows where to be defensively. Like, he knows how to get to his spots. But it's just when he has the ball in his hands, he seems to make poor decisions, whether it's forcing a shot, you know, forcing some contested step back three, you know, driving into a lane full of people or, you know, just uh, leaving his feet and without really having a plan. Um, I think that if he could really nail down those decision-making, um, those decision-making problems, then – he, he can form into a nice player. Um, and I think that that's kind of a key to his good stress that y'all was talking about earlier. Like he was making good decisions when he had the ball in his hands at that time. You know, he might have a couple here and there that are a little bit head scratching, but all in all, I think uh, he was making, you know, good decisions with the ball in his hands. And I think that in order for him to maximize his potential, he's really got to work in his decision makings and really just kind of focus on his role because. I don't know. I feel like he'd be doing too much sometimes. No, I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Obviously, I stick up for the guy a lot in terms of what I see in him. Um, stuck up for him a lot last year going on how he played different roles on his rookie year compared to his second season. But obviously this year I've started to not exactly go on him a bit, go in on him a bit more, but I've started to be a bit more... Annoyed with him. Um, I feel like on offense, he's very, his mind is set on what he's going to do before he's even done it. 
So if he's got the ball in his hand, he's already got his mind made up that he's driving. He's not looking to pass. His, his mind is made. Um, but it's, it's been nice to have a week on my own podcast of no one really slating Bays. Because I'll always get a bit of stick from either Brandon or Janelle. So you know what? I'll, I'll get rid of those two and you two are the new co-hosts. That's what I've decided. Well, I'll tell you this: Don't watch film of tonight's if tonight's game if you don't want, if you don't want to hate on Basley. Oh no, has he started badly? Is he? Is he already it, like north for five? It, it's been rough. I'll I'll say that. He's he's already like north for five, isn't he? Hang on. Oh, he's only north for he's one. Up. What's going on? I think it's turnovers. I know I saw a couple three, of three, three, ter- three turnovers in one quarter. Yeah, right. I'll yeah. give you that. Moving on. <laughs> so, bit of, bit of a uh, Hollywood in the Paycom yesterday. Go on Twitter this morning because I didn't stay up for the game last night. So wake up, watch the game, see a certain celebrity from Toronto on the sidelines chatting and flirting with some old ladies. And that's Drake. For one, obviously, I've seen now that apparently he's seeing friends in Oklahoma. Like I've seen that from a few different people. But do we need to be cautious of a Woj bomb saying that the Toronto Raptors are being fined for tampering with Shy and Lou Dort? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we got... We got... Shay locked down for five more seasons. Like it's only it's only something significant if Presty's making the call, not if they're making the call to us. Um, so no, I don't think so. Yeah, and yeah, it'd be different. Like you know, you, you remember way back in the day, Magic Johnson. You know, he got he got the tampering yeah. fine for saying what he did on Jimmy Fallon or Camel. You know, one of the Jimmys, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I mean, Drake doesn't really work directly with the team he's like an ambassador he's like a mascot for the team like it'd be like if spike lee went up to Giannis, was like hey you should come to the knicks like you know it's it you know there's nothing to see here like we you know drake already said that he thinks or i mean shay already said he thinks drake is better than jay-z so you know (laughs) we we, we know the canadian bias is out there um but not I mean, like Alex said, they're locked down for a few years. Dort's on one of the biggest value contracts. I mean, and uh, also I've pointed out, like, Drake has ties with John Calipari in the Kentucky basketball program, so Shea probably knows Drake from that also. So, yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it. it. You know, it's fun to speculate, the conspiracy theories, all that. But, yeah, don't read too much into it. I don't know. I just thought it'd be something fun to talk about. I just hope to never see him in the paycom again because I hate Drake with a passion. How can oh. someone be how can someone be that famous when they sing and that's not what they sound like? Like that's that's my own opinion anyway. Auto tune it is I, finest. You gotta you gotta remember we're Oklahoma City, like we love it when we get celebrities like that in. Oh yeah, I can, like I can especially, imagine. Especially on some random, you know, on some random Wednesday against the the second worst team in the NBA. Like that's hey, okay, we'll take that. Trust me, it was it was, it was the same. Like from from where I was from in England, 
I'm from like the from a place called Cornwall, which is literally all like farmers and like beaches and stuff. Nothing down there. All the rich people live down there for like the summer holidays and stuff. But then when I moved to Manchester, obviously a big city, within two weeks of moving up here, the I ran into a former Manchester United legend, and for me, oh. I was free. Uh, for me, I was freaking out, and everybody else was like, "Yeah, we we see him every week." And I'm like, "Oh, it's Joe." <laughs> it's like it's, it's like it's it's post goals. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> like let me have this one. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was certainly a bit weird waking up and seeing that. Um, so we'll move it on. Was, it, 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 I mean, I'll give you. It was very weird because, like, if you're gonna have if you're gonna have somebody like Drake at the game, usually he has like a concert coming up, either the night before or the night after, and that wasn't the case. This was just literally Drake out there on courtside seats in Oklahoma City on a, on a random Wednesday. Like that was that. That's the weird part. I just hope he paid for those courtside tickets. <laughs> I could care less. Ah, get get his money from him. <laughs> get his money and give it to Lou. He deserves it. Yeah. So um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is obviously there's a lot of differences at the minute with uh, the starting lineup. I just wanted to know your thoughts and what your like ideal starting five would be for this moment in time that we are at the minute. Would like obviously the normal lineup that we get regularly at the minute is obviously Giddy, Shy, Lou. Bays and JRE. Would you do anything different with that, or are you pretty sure that that's like set in stone? I mean, obviously, the for me, the one sticking point is probably going to be Baisley. Um, so, I mean, if you were to if you were to set this team forward to, hey, we want you to win every game, I think I'd probably move Kenrich there um, to that position. But I mean, outside of that. You know, Bays is his second option. I mean, he's he's one A, you know, one A, one B with Kenrich. So, you know, I, I don't believe you know a lot of people will say probably Poku and Baisley. I don't believe Poku is ready to be a starter. Is ready to to move into that position, especially the power forward position. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the starting lineup as it is is probably the way to go with this team currently. Fair enough. So the, the question was then, Dylan, what's what's like your ideal starting five for the Thunder? Would you change it from what it is at the minute or what from what we see most of the time with uh, JRE, Bayes, Shy, Lou, Giddy, or would you keep it the same? Yeah, I, I think uh, what it is right now is fine. Um, you know, I wouldn't be mad to see Pokemon in there somehow just because, you know, I mean, we've – I feel like we've given Baisley – a lot of chances and we haven't given Poku as many chances, you know, coach Mark talks about, you know, you got to have your broccoli before you can have your Skittles. And it feels like uh, Poku's over there eating a lot of broccoli. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I would like to see Poku out there, but no, I don't, I don't have too many qualms. I mean, I think Basil is good to have out there defensively, you know, guard wings. Um, and you know, when, when he's making good decisions with the basketball, he, he helps out a lot. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I like seeing J-Rob out there. I wouldn't mind to see our boy Mike Muscal out there, you know, space the floor a little bit more um, because, you know, the team the team seems to play better when Mike's out there just because of, you know, his force spacing and I think, uh, you know, the hustle and the aggression that he plays with, um, you know, on both sides of the ball as well. So, 
Uh, what mind see Mike Muscala in there? What mind see Poco in there? But yeah, all in all, I think I think it's fine. Before before we talk about anything else, the one thing that when I do the podcast with guys from your side of the pond, they might have a slight little dig at the like the British slang or the British references. But did I generally just hear you got to have your broccoli before you have your skittles? Yeah, that was. Is, uh, is, is that an American Dagnall thing, said. or or is it a yeah. Dagnall thing? Yeah, yeah, that's that's something they said. They they was asking about uh why Poku and Trey Man got pulled early or something like that. It's like, well, you gotta you gotta eat your broccoli before you can get your skittles. You know, talking about like you know, you've got to do what we're wanting you to do, not what you're wanting to do. You know, before you can do what you do. Um, if that made any sense at all, I don't think it did. <laughs> and in, in, essence, it did. in essence, like like those young players like that, they need to be steady on the defensive end before he, you know, puts them in the game to to do what they're probably going to do offensively. You know, Trey Man, Poku, you know, they're they're known for their offense. Yeah. Well, I, I completely obviously missed that part. But what you've done is you set up perfectly into the penultimate thing I want to talk about, which is what Dagnall has said on the minute situation, where he's pretty much said that he's not going to give minutes to players who he thinks doesn't deserve it. And obviously, you look at the players at the minute who aren't getting the minutes. Poku, Tio are probably the two biggest ones that stand out to the Thunder fan base, especially based on the roles they had last year, especially for me, Maladon. I can't wrap my head around it going from averaging the most minutes on the team last year. I know obviously we brought in four rookies, but it's still a head scratcher. But what, what's been your thoughts on the way Dagnall has said that in the press and how he's going with the rotation? Yeah, no, it's been a, it's been kind of an ongoing battle, uh, specifically with me and Alex uh, versus Jerry on old Teo. Um, you know, it's not to say we don't believe in Teo. It's just that we haven't seen much from him this year. I think I heard on uh, Down to Dunk they said that he's made one three-point shot all year. Um, so, I mean, the time that he gets on the court, I just I, – I don't see a lot. You know, I, I see a lot more um, both tangibly and potentially in Trey Mann – um, when he's on the court, then I do tail Maladone. And I say going into the season, you know, especially how things shook out last year, I was like, okay, tails like the sixth man and, you know, Ty Jerome and Trey Mann are going to be battling for that like utility guard spot. And it's been the opposite. Like Ty Jerome has been the constant and Trey Mann and uh, Teo has been kind of battling in that utility spot. And so far, like Trey Mann, like I, I think it's unanimous, like amongst the Thunder fan base, like Trey Mann has – far and away won that, you know, that battle. And in terms of Pokemon, like, you know, just going back to what I'm talking about, it's it's just perplexing because, you know, the lack of fours that we have specifically with, like, you know, Kenrich out when Moose was out, um, Favors out, like, you know, just getting some kind of height and length out there on the floor. Um, you know, specifically last night against the Rockets, like, he played eight minutes. I think they're all in the first half, but I thought he played really well in those eight minutes. He was in control. He took good shots. Um, his shots looked good. I mean, he was uh, he was active on the defensive end, getting blocks and steals. And still, he just played eight minutes, and he was playing the Houston Rockets. So, at, at this point, I don't know what it is Poku has to do to get minutes over a guy like Baisley because, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to pile on Baisley, but, you know, if he keeps making those decisions, like, 
you know, I feel like if you would limit his minutes a little bit, you limit those mistakes as well. And, you know, you give Poku a little bit more, a little bit more shine, but I don't know, man. Yeah. I, uh, I, I definitely like to see Poku play more, but I, you know, I'm not giving up on Teo. Like, you know, he's still very young. He's still Tony Parker's protege. Uh, all the cliches you hear about Teo Maladone are true. Um, but to this point, I just I don't see it over Trey Man or Ty Jerome. I mean, that's, that's completely fair enough, but it's, it, it gets more confusing for me as well when, like, Paul Watson's getting minutes uh, tonight, I believe. I just had a look then. He got minutes on Monday night. So even he's getting minutes over these type of players. You got anything to add on what's been mentioned, Alex, about the minute situation? I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I, I find it. I find it weird. That's so. You know, there's there's two parties when you talk about Thunder fans. You have the the tanking, the pro tanking, and the anti tanking. And so the anti tanking people last year, whenever we sat down Horford, you know, whenever we traded George Hill, uh, whenever basically we sat down Shea for the last twenty plus games of the year. They're like, you know, why are you doing this? You can still win games if you're playing, you know, Muscala out there. If you have Horford out there, you know, let let SGA sit down for 10, 15 games and bring him back for the final five games of the year and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then this year, I think this year we're doing what the anti-tankers wanted us to do last year. Like we're playing Muscala. We're playing Kenrich heavy minutes in some games. Um, and – and if a guy isn't performing, we're not playing him, you know. And so a guy like, like Teo, a guy like Poku at times, a guy like, you know, Roby. I know Roby performs when he gets out there. There's some games that he performs. But early in the season, a lot of his plus-minus minutes, a lot of his on-off uh, point differentials were horrendous. Like, it was horrendous when he was on the floor. And so, you know, I, I think him going down to the, to the G League for a couple games, you know, pretty sure they told him, hey, work on your defensive principles, you know, work on your offensive game, shoot the three out there, um, and then come back. And it, and that helps to – and it helps some players to focus. That helps them to, to rein them in a little bit. Um, and so as far as the minutes distributions and things like that, you know, I, I would not read a ton into it. Like this, this team is operating like an NBA team would where the players who are performing well and practicing well are going to be get, be getting the lion's share of the minutes as compared to players who maybe are being inconsistent in practice and in games. Um, and so I think that's what you're seeing this year. I, th- I think this year is, is, you know, a lot of players have to grow up, you know. And so, like, players like Teo, players like Darius Baisley, players like Poku, hey, this is the NBA. You know, last year was, last year was a weird year. Last year we, we were tanking. It was a COVID year. It was that weird, you know, half the teams we played, you know, half the players were out because of this, this, or that, or resting or whatever. This year is a real year. Um, and so I think the minutes distribution that Mark has out there now is the minute distributions of a real NBA team. You know, so if you're not performing, if you're not putting out, you know, you're not going to be seeing the floor as much as other guys. I think you've just described everything like near perfect there. Couldn't, couldn't have asked for a better like explanation in terms of probably what most people think of the situation or the way they should think. But as you said at the end of the day, it's the NBA. It's not it's not an easy league. Like the players do need to toughen up. So yeah, 
and it goes back to kind of what uh you know what it was last year um i don't remember when it was he said it what the specific thing was i, th- I think it was whenever we sat down at horford and they don't use the term exploring the roster and you know when you see guys like paul watson jr getting run out there over you know guys like poku and even Vite crazy like you know a guy that's spent a lot of time on the blue and i think thunder fans are infinitely more intrigued by than paul watson jr um, you know, when you see guys like that get over, time over them, you know, it, it's really exploring the roster. So just kind of seeing, you know, what those guys have. And yeah, the other thing, man, I mean, it's, it's early in the year. Like at this point last year, you know, Poku, Teo, like they were playing minutes, but they weren't playing like super consistent, super long minutes early on. It wasn't until the second half of the year, whenever Horford sat out, whenever Shea was out, whenever Moose was out, whenever Hill was gone, like whenever there was all these holes that needed filled, that was when Teo's minutes picked up. That was when Poku's minutes picked up. That's when all these guys really got their shot. So, you know, there's there's plenty of opportunities. Like, you know, who who's to say that we don't see Trey Mann and Ty Jerome start 10 games straight, like in, in March or something like that? Like, you know, who, who knows? Like this – tonight might not be an outlier there's there's a lot of basketball left to be played and uh you know there's also the trade deadline who knows what's going to happen to the trade deadline so that's that's very far away but you know i'm just saying like you know there's there's a lot of time to explore the roster and potential rosters i I think the key words you said there throughout all of that was opportunity that's another thing that the nba is it's an opportunity league players have to take their take their chance especially if you're not uh, a, a top five or top 10 pick in the draft that's not going to get a starting spot straight away or a, a role player like you have to take these opportunities that you get but no that is a good talk about that because it's, it's, it's been something that's been bugging me for the last couple of weeks been trying to get to the bottom of it and it's just trying to make heads or tails of it so moving on it's the last uh topic i want to talk about and obviously, as I said to you before we started recording, I wanted to pinch one of your own um, agendas that you do on your podcast every week, which is your obviously your very famous Shay or Nay. But I'm going to change it to my own Yay or Yay because I'm very clever like that. Um, so with my Yay or Yay, which I'm struggling to say already, but you'll allow it because it's two o'clock in the morning for me. So, so with my yay or yay, I want you to tell me what your favourite moment for the Thunder is so far this season. And then we, I will pinch your idea of something good that's happened to you this week. Whoever wants to go first. Yeah, I mean, I'll go. Like, it's not even hard. Like, you know, I'm a Shea apologist. Um, his performance in L.A., whenever he knocked down, like, what, five or six three-pointers, one of which was from the logo in which LeBron was just sat there starstruck, like, why can't we have this guy on our team? Um, and, you know, just doing it on the national stage, like, all the media love, like, all the the fan love, like, casual NBA fan love, like, that was such a fun game to watch and like it created some of the best memes um, you know it created you know the the like crazy hype shay like i'm him i'm him i swear to god i'm him like yeah it, it was just great i mean really any game we played against the lakers has been really fun this season and it created awesome memes you know got got to remember the iconic shay shrug so yeah I, I would say any game against the lakers 
Something good to happen uh, to you this week as well, Dylan? Uh, good happen. <laughs> I'm I'm reaching on good, man, because uh, our you know Nova, as you guys heard, uh, he's he's not had a good couple of days. You know, not, nothing with like you know the ventilator or anything like that, like any of his complications. Just normal baby stuff. He's cutting molars and he's letting us mm. know about it. Uh, we slept probably collectively an hour and a half last night. So and it's. You know, he's, he's sleeping right now, so knock on wood, that's going to continue. I've moved to the other room, so I can you know, continue to talk and not interrupt the podcast with baby screaming. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for upwards of two hours of sleep tonight. I believe in you. I believe in Nova as well. Appreciate it. He, he does as well. Alex, what about yourself, sir? Um, so, I mean, you know, Dylan kind of stole my thunder when it came to the LA games, like, you know, I, I truly enjoy, like, I know, I know the, the, the game in LA is the one people are going to remember because of, you know, the, the Shea outburst, the logo shot, the I am him, the, all that. But I really enjoyed the game, the Lakers game in Oklahoma city. Like we were down by 26. We hadn't won a game all year. You know, this was Russell's return to, to Oklahoma city with, the fan base there and this was probably the you know this is probably the 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 fullest the building was going to get the, the entire year you know as far as people in the arena um and for us to, to claw back to 26 down like I was there live to see it that was my that was my first game live and with with fans in like a year and a half like it was an awesome experience to see you know you know my, my brother-in-law and my mom were at the game with me um but it was just awesome to see that you know with them there also and and just, you know, just have NBA basketball back in OKC with people in the arena. You know, 18,203 of my best friends were there. And you can't forget, you can't forget the iconic, you know, Baisley still and Dunk and, you know, the, the skirmish yeah. afterwards. And the skirmish, yeah, of course. That, that leads perfectly onto my moment of the year. Is, that is my moment so far, especially when it's a guy that, all Lakers games, baby. Literally. Um, especially when, obviously, Baze is someone that I look at very highly. And it's something that happens with the guy that I idolise that got me into the sport from the other side of the pond. So, obviously, for something like that to happen between two people that I love, I found that I, I enjoyed watching that at half past three in the morning. It certainly woke me back up. I wasn't sure who I wanted to win to start off with. Yeah. <laughs> it turned into that, but... No, that that was easily my favourite moment. And then I've obviously had a week off this week, which has been great. And I've done my Christmas shopping because I absolutely hate it. And I've done it in 50 oh minutes. I've yeah. done it in 50 minutes as well. Fantastic. Are you, are you, an, are you an online shopper or are you going nope. to the store real quick and just get it? I, I will go to the shopping centre. I will have a piece of paper with me that tells me what I'm getting, where it is, how much it is. So the last last couple of years, I've done it in just under 40 minutes, which is roughly about 10, roughly about 10 presents. I absolutely hate it. And then I also bought myself a signed SGA jersey, which. Oh, treat yourself. I got a bonus from work and I've been eyeing it up for a while. So I finally went through with that. Just waiting on it now so I can show it off and rub it in everyone's faces. Like, look at me. Woo. <laughs> just, um, uh, just want to give you, just want to give you guys an update. 
Uh, we're currently at halftime, and uh, the uh, the Grizzlies have doubled us up, seventy-two to thirty-six. So, fun times. Well, if that's not a sign, that is a sign for me to go to bed instead of <laughs> watching the second half. Yes, <laughs> they're not coming back. But no, um, that's all for this week. Again, thank you to Dylan and Alex for jumping on and returning the favour for us. It's 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 always great to talk to guys from Oklahoma and from the States. I love it. Dylan, obviously we've done plenty of stuff together now. Alex, I've done a couple of things with yourself now, so I look forward to doing more with you as well. But Definitely. check check these guys out. Topic Funder, in my opinion, they're the best Funder-based podcast out there. Um, so seriously, check them guys out. Um, you can follow Dylan at Funder Chats. Uh, Alex, I can't remember what yours is. I know it's I know it's your name, but I can't remember which way around it is. Uh, it's um, at, at Alex Roy R O I G underscore NBA. I knew it was something like that. But no, follow that. Follow them. They're great guys. Go on, Dylan. Yeah, no, yeah. I was I was about to say I, I was about to say is that for you, but I was going to say NTTB. Yeah, uh, was uh, to... that was that was the old one. <laughs> yeah, that's that the old one. But no, I, yeah, I just want to thank you for having us on, man. You know, it's always a good time Definitely. talking shop with you. Um, and you know, I mean, you do a great job on here. You know, you, you keep things organized and you, you put out a good podcast as well. So uh, we appreciate your kind words and appreciate you having on, man. Appreciate those words, myself, sir. So last thing from us, as always. Thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder up.